0: Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com EFCT and become a subscriber for shout-outs. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade.
1: There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? The Shade. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go- get' reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. But by night he becomes the shade. You know, he does it by night, by day, whenever he feels like it really so I'm not sure this really expresses the true, rather capricious nature of the shade what? Yes, I said capricious. No, it has nothing to do with astrology. How did you even get this job? You know what? Never mind. Let's just move on. (coughs) Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden, and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out in this week's episode of Throwing Shade, The Worst of Times. And unfortunately, we now must say goodbye to the people at Formal Heidi's Nail Polish a sharp uptick of fainting spells was noticed around salons that primarily used the polish. While first attributed to fragile feminine sensibilities, after further research, it was found that formal Hides, while long-lasting, was producing incredibly noxious fumes to all those around the open bottles. Furthermore, Women with a proclivity for biting their nails found themselves getting sick off the patented mix of chemicals. So, we wish them well as formal Heidi's returns to the drawing board. And we look forward to a new and improved formula. And so, we here at Throwing Shade are thrilled to welcome the fine people at Folk's Rescuing Animals from Unpleasant Destinies working tirelessly to end the abuse of animals. Finally, a sponsor we can all be proud of. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since... Well, we here at Throwing Shade like to refer to it as the before times. Previously on Throwing Shade...
2: I am not a crook.
1: And now, on to our story. Act 1, Scene 1. On Holidays. Theo and Wednesday take a long-anticipated and even more lengthily discussed vacation. It had been a few weeks since Frank Fry, lieutenant of shame, had evaded capture after giving up the existence of his higher-up. In that time, efforts to discover the identity of that higher-up had doubled. Despite these efforts, police were baffled. I'm baffled, John. Me too, Ponch. We've tried to ferret out the identity of the leaders of shame, but no luck.
0: Of course you have no luck. Policemen use dogs, not ferrets.
1: City Hall was stymied.
3: Miss Honeysuckle, we've made no progress on finding the leaders of shame. I'm stymied.
4: Oh? Mr. Mayor, in that case, you should see a doctor.
3: Yes, I suppose that's... wait, what?
4: A doctor? Why? For the stymie. Believe me, you don't want to let one of those go. My cousin Alejandro had one once, and he didn't do anything about it. After a week, his right eye looked like a baseball. No bueno.
3: Even Theodore
1: Rockwell and Wednesday morning couldn't make any headway.
3: Rockwell! Morning! Get in here!
0: You bellowed, chief?
3: You two make any headway in the shame story?
5: Well, um, no. No headway at all. Great
3: Caesar salad! This is the greatest threat to American society since the stock market crash.
0: Chief, it does my heart good to hear you express such civic insight. And I
3: can't make a dime off of it because we have no story.
5: Yep, the heart swells.
0: We're doing our best, Chief, but Frank Fry's clue was pretty vague.
5: You'd be surprised at how many people in Chicago have lots of money and a snooty accent. Yeah, but how many of them use words
3: like
0: lieutenant? I never thought of that. That is a pretty unusual word. Should be easy to narrow it down using that criteria. Good thinking, Chief.
5: Good thinking,
3: Rockwell. Hey, I came up with that. Why'd you give him credit? No reason. Wow, quit standing around here waiting for me to do the rest of your job for you. Go out there and get me that story.
0: Oh, man, I can't believe that. We're just not not getting a raise here. It's ridiculous. I don't know why we have so many crowds.
5: Do our job for us? Can you believe the nerves of that man? He hasn't done a real day's work well since I've been here.
0: Be fair, Wednesday. It's not easy to maintain that volume eight hours a day.
5: I'm just so tired of it. It's 1936, Theo. We should be further along than this.
0: Don't despair, Wednesday. We're always moving forward, little by little. Every day we move forward. It's inevitable.
5: You really believe that, Theo? Because I swear, some days it feels like we're moving backwards.
0: That's impossible, Wednesday. Forward is the only direction we can move. It's literally how time works.
5: When you put it like that, I feel... Wait, what?
0: Yes, the inexorable forward march of time. We can't stop it. Can't turn it back, no matter what we do. That's not... Although, when you think about it, how amazing would it be to go backward in time? Just think, we could... Wednesday, why aren't you typing?
5: (sighs) To be honest, Theo... I just don't have the energy to give you those well-deserved demerits.
0: Wednesday! I have the answer!
5: There was a question?
0: I know exactly how to turn that frown upside down and put the vim back in your vigor.
5: Theo, Zing Cola's been off the market for months.
0: No, nothing as transitory as a soft drink, Wednesday. I was talking about a vacation!
5: Are you serious? How can we do that? We're in the middle of an investigation. You heard Mr. Clemens... We have to get out there and give me that story.
0: Yes, but we haven't been able to do that. In fact, we haven't made any headway since Frank Fry ran out of the police station.
5: And just where are we going to go?
0: Anywhere. That's the beauty of a vacation. We could go hiking, camping, or take a drive across the country. We could even get tickets to the upcoming haberdashery gala.
5: That sounds... Wait, what?
0: The annual haberdashery convention. It's an amazing affair. All the best in men's hats and accessories.
5: You know, no matter how many times I hear that word, it makes no sense to me whatsoever.
0: Accessories?
5: Haberdashery. It's the only word where there's no word to describe what the person doing the thing does.
0: You've lost me.
5: A haberdasher makes haberdashery, right? Right. But what's it called when he does it? Um... It should be... That he haberdashes. But there is no verb to haberdash. It makes no sense.
0: Wednesday, I want to thank you. For what? For proving so eloquently that we do, in fact, need a vacation. I hereby rescind my idea about the haberdashery convention.
5: I know you're right, Theo. But how can we go off and abandon the investigation into shame? How can the shade in the vamp?
0: We need fresh eyes. We could ask someone else to look into it. Who? <coughs>
6: Did I hear someone mention my name? Wally Winchell? Ah, I did hear someone mention my name.
5: Wally, were you eavesdropping?
6: Of course not. I was nowhere near a window or a roof outcropping, but I couldn't help but overhear you saying that you needed someone to look into shame for you. I am that person. After all, I was the one who first told you about it.
5: Can't argue with that.
0: All right, Wally, you take over the investigation, but you'll have to cover for us with Clemens.
5: We don't have any vacation time.
0: What?
6: I thought that was something the union
0: negotiated for us.
5: Well, it was supposed to, but...
0: Mr. Clemens is the president of the union. What? How?
5: It seems nobody else wanted the responsibility of negotiating with Mr. Clemens.
0: So we cut out the middleman. Or, like, pulled the union's teeth. On the upside, the meetings are much shorter now.
5: Point is... Clemens cannot know we're on vacation. Got it?
6: You can count on me. And Wednesday? Yes. There is one place where someone could haberdash.
5: Glad to see you weren't eavesdropping. All right. Where?
6: The kitchen. The The kitchen? kitchen? Yes. In the kitchen, you can haberdash assaults in whatever you're making.
0: Wednesday, I can't help but notice a lack of typing.
5: I'm on vacation. Act One, Scene Two, A
1: Barren Wasteland. Ian Flemish and Natasha Haddanoff go clubbing. While Theodore Rockwell and Wednesday Morning went off to surreptitiously plan their clandestine vacation downtown, a pair of figures were approaching a small door in the side of the Chicago water tower. They appeared nonchalant, yet several passers-by took notice of them.
7: Hey, Irv, look at those two figures approaching that small door on the side of the water tower.
6: Irma, I've already agreed to come downtown with you so you can look at all the expensive stuff you'll complain I can't afford, but I draw the line at sticking our noses in other people's businesses. Those two look perfectly nonchalant, so let them be.
7: You know what your problem is, Irv?
6: What, there was something your mother left off the list?
7: You got no curiosity.
1: The two figures took notice of the passers-by taking notice.
7: Natasha, I
2: told you to be inconspicuous. And I told you I have no
4: idea where that is. Try not to be noticed. I will have you know I am dressed in latest bourgeoisie fashion, direct from pages of your Sears catalog. Ha! (laughs) In Soviet Russia, stores catalog you! for the country! And that's a good thing. To tell you the truth, I don't really know anymore. But I am not the one wearing a tuxedo.
2: That can't be it. This is my casual daytime tuxedo. Of course. Just remember, the Baron's Club is extremely exclusive- Only the most refined people belong to it. Then how did you get in? Here now, none of that. I will have you know I am a well-respected member of the elite class, and don't you forget it.
4: I don't know how I missed it. And you are sure this den of capitalist vipers will have information on shame? If anybody knows about wanting to humiliate
2: liberal-minded people, it's this lot. And I would suggest you don't talk like that while
4: inside. What, calling out their avaricious and rapacious behavior? Exploiting their working class for their own game while never sharing that game with their working class? Nor doing any real work themselves? I was thinking more along the lines of losing the Russian accent,
2: but now that you mention it, you should probably downplay all that other stuff as well.
4: Don't worry, Ian. I can fit in just fine, yeah. Please do.
2: As I said, this is an extremely high-end establishment.
3: What's the password?
2: I say, you're not Jeeves. Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh, yes. Very high class. Don't you start.
3: What's the password? What happened to Jeeves? That ain't it either.
4: I'm glad you are working so hard not to be noticed. Man in tuxedo talking to wall in broad daylight.
2: this is ridiculous.
3: What's the password?
2: What I am about to say is not my attempt to answer your question, but rather an attempt to gain information from you. Is that clear?
3: Crystal. Where is Jeeves? No clue. Why not? Because I got no idea who that is. And believe me, I'd remember if I met a fella named Cheese. Not
2: Cheese. Jeeves. Can you believe this person?
4: I like him. You
3: would. You mean the fellow who used to answer the door? Yes, exactly. Oh, oh. Him and me are a part of a doorman exchange program. So here I am answering his door for a month while he's down in my old stomping grounds answering the door at the 13th Street Social Club.
2: How egalitarian.
3: There ain't no eagle anywhere near there.
4: What is your name? I'm Guido. Of course you are. You are a good man, Guido. In Soviet Russia door man's you!
3: Um... Is that her trying to get the password? No. At
2: least I don't think it is. To be honest, I've never really known what that is. The password is... A baby in your lap may dampen your spirits.
3: Come on in!
4: That was right.
3: Search me. If it ain't swordfish, I have a hard time remembering it. But it used two look all right, so enjoy.
2: Now, Natasha, this is an old boys club. Women are allowed as guests, but they aren't encouraged to speak
4: much. Oh, now, don't you worry about a thing, Ian. I'll just be the sweetest, silent, most perfect bit of decorative fluff you've ever seen.
2: Thank you. Although your swift agreement is somehow even more
7: worrisome. Flemish, I say, old chap, haven't seen you in ages. His Majesty's finest keeping you hopping, eh, what? You know, Andrew,
2: I could tell you, but then I'd have to have you sign several lengthy forms in triplicate
7: swearing you to secrecy. Whatever it is, it must be most interesting if it's caused you to bring a distaff invader into our secure male fortress. My apologies.
2: Allow me to introduce
7: Miss... Julip. Minnie Julep. I'm from Georgia. A pleasure, Miss Julep. Whereabouts in Georgia are you from? Near Tbilisi. I'm not familiar with that location. Is it near Atlanta? It's a bit east. And, uh,
2: Minnie, may I introduce Mr. Andrew Cudahy, sausage magnate?
4: Now that seems silly.
7: Why would sausage need to stick to metal? (laughs) Oh, Yes, I see. Most amusing. Come, let's have a seat and chat. Can I offer either of you uh, a drink? Mr. Cudahy, I do apologize for the interruption, but there is a telephone call for you? Tell them I'm unavailable. You know, I do not wish to be disturbed while I'm here. Yes, Mr. Cudahy, and I did tell that gentleman that, but he was rather insistent. He said he had a most urgent message from your haberdasher? Ah, yes. Well, I suppose needs must. Tell him I'll be along presently. Very good, sir. I do apologize, Flemish, Miss Julep. Duty calls.
2: Well, his haberdasher calls at any rate. Very odd. What is so odd? Do capitalist haberdashers not call? Of course, but why would a man who insists on not being disturbed take a call from a haberdasher? It just
4: doesn't make sense. I smell a rat. In such a high class establishment? Well, it is water tower.
2: No, I think that call isn't actually from his haberdasher.
4: You no know, We've said that word so many times, it doesn't sound like a real word anymore. We have to listen to that call.
2: Come on.
1: Ian and Natasha made their way over to the phone and did their best to listen in while not attracting attention.
3: I say, is that a woman?
1: Despite their utter failure in that regard they were able to hear part of Andrew Cuttahay's phone call.
3: Well,
7: of course, I don't want that to happen. Yes, yes, I'll put my lieutenant on it. No, don't worry. It's in hand, I can assure you. There'll be plenty of red faces to go around once we're done. Yes, all right. Goodbye.
2: Did you hear that? Yes, and I must say, I am rather shocked. But why would Andrew Cudahy lead an uprising of sunburnt
4: gingers? What? No, you foolish men! When do you have a red face? When you blush, no? And when do you blush? Are you seriously telling me he's going to lead a bride
2: uprising?
4: No. You blush when you are embarrassed, when you are humiliated. Then you are shamed.
2: I can't believe you hit me. That's... Oh,
4: I see what you're saying. And did you hear who he was going to put on it? His lieutenant. Him using the same term that the man who recruited Frank Fry used is a rather large sopadaniev, wouldn't you say? Um, Yes. Andrew Cotehay of the Magnetic Sausages is who we are looking for. It's hard to believe that a fabulously wealthy
2: captain of industry would ally himself with an organization bent on destroying progress in equality and income equity.
4: Yes, is truly boggles mind. We must do something. I shall have a stern word with him. I think perhaps we should come up with a plan that results in catching him red-handed. Which is an extremely offensive term, by the way. You're right. And we should inform
2: the authorities of what we've found. I'm sure they'll want to enlist the help of the shade in the vamp. If we must. Come along, then. I'll get to the bottom of this or my name isn't Flemish. Ian Flemish.
4: One of these days, you'll have to tell me how you do that. Do what?
1: Act 1, Scene 3, Motel Nix. Theo and Wednesday vacation behind the Cheddar Curtain. While our intrepid international duo was rushing off to inform the authorities, along the road, out of town... Theodore Rockwell and Wednesday Morning were enjoying a leisurely drive in Wednesday's Nash Advanced Six Coupe. Perhaps a bit too leisurely.
0: Wednesday, please, we have to pick up the pace. At this speed, our vacation will be over before we get there.
4: We used to be getting a move on. Some of us have places to be.
5: I'm letting you drive because you insisted our vacation destination be a surprise, but there is no way I'm letting you out of first gear. I can't afford another transmission.
0: Wednesday, I promise I will not damage your car. I've been practicing, and at this speed, we could walk there faster.
5: All right, all right. But you be careful.
1: In fairness, Theo tried. He didn't succeed, but he did try.
0: Theo! Almost there! (laughs) See? No problem.
5: This had better be an amazing vacation. I don't even know why we're going anywhere. I had planned on curling up in my apartment and spending some quality time with my typewriter.
0: Nonsense. Who stays home for a vacation? What would you even call that?
5: A stay? A home
0: invasion!
5: Uh Uh-huh. That sounds terrible.
0: My point exactly. A vacation should be an adventurous trek into the unknown.
5: Isn't that what we do for a living?
0: But this has room service.
5: Oh, so you're taking me on a busman's holiday.
0: That's absurd. I have no idea where busman would go on a holiday. (laughs) I don't care whether those are points or demerits i'm just impressed at how well you can type in a moving car
5: you should see when i'm driving conversation subsided
1: as the miles rolled along as chicago dwindled in the rear view mirror our duo was able to take in the breathtaking rural scenery
0: look a field
1: passing along outside their windows look cows In all its ever-changing glory.
0: Ooh, cows!
1: In a field.
0: Breathtaking!
1: Okay, we may be overselling the scenery just a bit. But after a few hours of driving along at a blistering 20 miles per hour, Theo and Wednesday finally arrived at their surprise vacation destination.
5: Here we are. We drove four hours to come to the Stumble On In luxury resort, gas station, and sausage store?
0: Exactly.
5: Have I done something to you?
0: Wednesday, trust me, this place is top-notch. It has a pool.
5: It's October.
0: It's indoors.
5: That's... wait, really?
0: Yes, and free continental breakfast every morning.
5: What's a continental
0: breakfast? Who knows? But it's free! Plus, you know how king-sized beds are the height of luxury? Well, these rooms have emperor-sized beds.
5: That does sound luxurious.
0: And it's right near our real destination, Cuttahey, Wisconsin. Where? It's an up-and-coming, thriving bug. <laughs>
5: Is that a tumbleweed?
0: I did say up-and-coming.
5: And And just what are we going to do in this up-and-coming metropolis for a week?
0: Fear not, Wednesday. I have done my research, and there are a plethora of tourist activities for us to partake in. I'll regale you with them after we check in.
1: Theo helped get Wednesday's luggage
3: out of the trunk. Why did you bring so many suitcases?
5: You wouldn't tell me where we were going. So I packed for every contingency. Well, almost every contingency.
1: Theo and Wednesday made their way into the front
5: desk.
0: Hello! Ah! Edna Codswallop! That's me!
5: Shouldn't you be in the Hall of Records? In Chicago?
2: See, now, there's a funny story. You see, I was perfectly happy working in the Hall of Records, but it turns out me husband, Cyril, he's been squirreling away money for years, and me none the wiser. So one day he says to me, Edna, he says, I've got a surprise for me little farthingale. He always calls me his little farthingale, he does.
0: Wednesday, what's a farthingale?
5: How do I know? I'm not from Iowa.
2: He tells me that he saved up enough money to stop being a janitor at the of Records and follow his art's desire. So, here we are.
5: Cyril's art's desire was a luxury resort, gas station, and sausage store?
2: He's a man of unplumbed depths, Cyril.
0: So what kinds of sausages does he make?
2: Oh, Cyril doesn't make the sausages. He couldn't take the
5: daily... (laughs)
0: Really should have seen that one coming.
5: So does he run the gas station? Work on automobiles?
2: Blimey, my Cyril, a mechanic, Perish the thought. He tried that once years back.
0: What happened?
5: He wrenched his back. (laughs) Walked straight into that one, really.
0: So what does Cyril do?
5: "'Ace a janitor, of course.' "'Wait, wait. "'His heart's desire was to go from being a janitor in the Hall of Records "'to being a janitor in a hotel?'
2: "'Ace said to me, "'Edna, he said, "'This way I can be my own boss and clean the way I like "'without someone looking over me shoulder and pinching me pennies.' Just you, me, and the cleaning, me little odds bodkins. He always calls me his little odds bodkins, he does.
0: To be expected, really.
2: We looked at several hotels before finding this one. In fact, he was almost ready to give up. But then we saw this place. You could say it was truly our.
0: Oh no.
5: Don't do
2: it. Last resort. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought you were on vacation.
5: Some things need to be documented.
0: Now, what are you two
2: doing here? Ooh, are you working on another case? Are the shade and the vampire as well?
0: Uh, no, nothing like that. Miss Morning and I are just on vacation.
2: Really? Together?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand. Say no more, say no more. I think you may have the wrong idea.
5: I know she has the wrong idea.
0: We're work colleagues.
2: Whatever you say, though, I don't know many work colleagues that go on vacation together, especially to such a romantic spot like Cudahy, Wisconsin.
0: Well, you see, it's mostly because- wait, romantic?
2: This place. Oh, blimey, everyone knows that. This is the Niagara Falls of the Midwest.
0: I was not aware of that.
5: Especially since it's landlocked.
2: Now I know you two have to keep up the proprieties, so here are the keys to your separate rooms.
5: Thank goodness. With an
2: adjoining door. Edna!
5: All right, all right, say no more,
2: say no more. Might I suggest that you two visit Worst
5: All? All right, I'll bite. What's Worst Hall? The Sausage Museum,
2: of course. Of course.
5: Can I ask a silly question.
2: Where you can ride the highly romantic Tunnel
5: of And Oh, that sounds...
2: Yes,
0: it does. <laughs> I think we'll just unpack.
2: Whatever you say, enjoy your vacation, you two lovebirds. Edna! Right, right, right. You two work colleagues. Wink, wink, say them all.
1: Theo and Wednesday carry their luggage to their rooms. <laughs> well, Theo drags their luggage to their rooms.
0: No, don't worry, Wednesday. I've got this. No need to help.
5: You're lucky I don't make you drive me back to civilization right now.
0: I know it's a little unorthodox.
5: It's a town with a sausage theme, Theo. It's not just unorthodox. (gasps) It's not
0: kosher. I assure you, Wednesday, we'll find non-sausage-related things to do. In fact, they have their very own circus.
5: I like circuses.
0: Exactly. So let's unpack, relax, and hit the town.
5: That sounds all right.
0: We can even scout around for non-sausage-themed attractions.
5: Okay. Okay. In in
0: fact, we can spend the evening... Oh, no. Casing the joint!
5: Go to your room. We'll
1: return to Throwing Shade. The worst of times in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, do you love all the little furry, fuzzy four-legged cutie pies you see running through the streets every day? Does your heart melt when you see some adorable little fuzzballs staring up at you? And does that same heart break when you think of what happens to all the stray animals in our cold, heartless, urban jungle? Despair no more. For now, there's folks rescuing animals from unpleasant destinies, an organization filled with good Samaritans with enough love in their hearts and enough time on their hands to make sure every animal they find gets a good home, free from the vagaries of ownerless living, no matter where they came from or who they may have belonged to at the time. So, Donate to folks rescuing animals from unpleasant destinies. Your furry friends will thank you. And now, back to our story. Act 2, Scene 1. Paper Cuts. Wally Winchell finds an unexpected and unwanted ally. While Theo and Wednesday explore the amenities of the Stumble-On-Inn, back in the heart of civilization, Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens was confused.
3: Here we are in the heart of civilization. That's oh, of right. it's it's wonderful. Rockwell! Morning! Get in here!
6: You bellowed, Mr. Clemens? Look, Rockwell, I want to know what you've... I'm confused. Why, Mr. Clemens?
3: Well, you're not Rockwell. That's right. You're Wally Winchell. Right again. See, you're not confused. But I yelled for Rockwell in mourning.
6: That you did, Chief. Don't call me Chief, Winchell. Sorry, Mr. Clemens. Thought it might help with the confusion. Why are you in my office instead of them? I'm assisting them in the shame story while they're away away i mean not here you know not here but still definitely working on the shame story and where
3: exactly are they still definitely working on the shame story
6: i can't tell you why not because they made me promise not to i mean i don't know i I mean did someone just call my name Come in. hold it right there winchel nerds all right winchel
3: Wear a Rockwell in mourning.
1: Wally Winchell was a dogged and hard-bitten journalist, and he stared into the maelstrom that was Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens' inchoate rage.
6: They're on vacation.
1: And folded like a cheap suit. Wait a minute. That simile doesn't make any sense. Nobody folds suits, no matter how inexpensive they may be. Give me a second. Ah, folded like an origami crane. Nah, too esoteric. Um <gasps> folded like fresh laundry. Wow, that's even worse. Wait, I've got it. Folded like a rookie poker player. You know, sometimes it ain't easy being a creative genius. Now, where were we? Oh, right,
3: Wally Winchell folding.
6: Yeah, vacation. Great Caesar
3: salad! How are we gonna break that shame story now? I'm on a cheat. I mean, Mr. Clemens. Well, that makes me feel much better. Really? No! How did they think they were gonna get away with it?
1: Realizing the tension of the situation, Wally knew that tact and discretion were called for. He opened his mouth and promptly stuck his
3: foot in it. They
6: figure you wouldn't notice because you haven't been out from behind your desk or done any real work in years. What? I I mean, uh, did I hear someone calling my name? Coming. Don't move, Winchel. Oh, no.
3: So I don't do any real work, is that it? I, I wouldn't presume. I just sit in my office all day twiddling my thumbs.
6: I'm sure twiddling is very challenging. Well, I'll show them. Winchell! Oh, I'm right here, Mr. Clemens. Grab your hat. What? Why? Because we're gonna work
3: this story together.
6: Well, that makes... Wait, what? Us? Together?
3: That's right. You and me are gonna crack this story wide open.
6: Oh. What's wrong? I... What? It's you and I. That's what I said. No, you said you and me. Same thing. No, it's not the same. You can't just use them interchangeably. It's... Are you in an editor? Winchell,
3: since we're going to be working together, let me give you a little professional advice. Yeah, Chief? Nobody likes a know-it-all. And don't call me Chief. Now, come on. You and I, you and me, same thing, I'm an editor, I don't have to know things, I'm too
6: important, or should I say, me's too important, same thing.
3: Winchell!
6: Coming! Act Two,
1: Scene Two. The Karen Feeding of the Citizenry. Police Chief Cannoli deals with the public, and it's quite the privilege. As Wally Winchell and Clarence Clemens went off to investigate...
6: Wait, where are we going?
3: Great Caesar salad, Winchell! Do I have to think of everything? They bumped into Ian
1: Flemish and Natasha Hadanov, Who were on their way to inform the authorities about what they had discovered.
4: In Soviet Russia, authorities inform you!
1: After looking high and low for Police Chief Canoli, Chief Canoli,
4: Chief Canoli,
1: they found him in an empty lot, in an animated conversation with a woman clearly in a dither.
7: I can't understand anything you're saying. I want to speak with your manager. What manager? There is no manager. I'm a Chief Canoli. Stop
0: being so aggressive. I feel threatened. I'm going to call the police. I am the police. It's me, Cannoli.
2: Excuse me, miss.
4: May I help? You seem to be in a dither.
7: Oh, thank goodness there's someone here with some sense of civic responsibility and who speaks English. What are you talking about? I speak English. I'm Bunny Featherton Smythe. Of the Gold Coast Smythes. Bunny, A pet name I've had since childhood. It was given to me due to my boundless energy and positive attitude.
4: I would have thought it was because of your
7: overly large ears. What did you say?
3: You'd think she'd have better hearing than that, considering.
7: I will have you know my ears are a perfectly normal size. My private doctor said so.
6: We do apologize.
7: Yes, I did not realize the problem
4: was actually your vastly understiced head. Natasha? I'm sorry, who are you? This is Natasha.
2: Hedenoff. I certainly have. And I am Flemish. Ian Flemish.
7: That was quite impressive.
2: This is Clarence Clemens, editor-in-chief of the Chicago Gazette-Times-Herald, and Wally Winchell, one of the reporters.
7: Oh, the press. I do love airing my grievances to the press. You can run a front-page story on how this person assaulted me.
0: That's ridiculous. I never went near her with
7: any
3: salt. Could somebody please explain what's going on here? Police Chief Canoli? what happened?
7: Wait. He's the police chief? That's what I said. I don't know why everyone's attacking me. I'm just trying to do my civic duty. She's a crying. Why is she a crying?
0: She called me out here because she said there was a crime. But all I find is an empty lot and her yelling at me because she say I'm a no belong here. Basta for sure.
7: I pointed out quite plainly what the matter was. Can't you see? I came here to do some gardening and instead find 144 slugs.
0: I ain't seen that many slugs since Valentine's Day.
7: Who gives slugs for Valentine's Day?
0: It's the type of gift that goes straight to the heart, but trust me.
7: I have no idea what you're talking about. I just want to know what you're going to do about these one hundred and forty-four garden slugs. Oh, Oh, one hundred
0: and forty-four garden of slugs. That's a gross.
3: He's not wrong. Why would you care if there are slugs in an empty lot?
7: I belong to an organization trying to help those less fortunate by turning these empty lots into gardens. Oh, that's so
0: nice. You're going to grow vegetables here so they have something to eat.
7: No, I mean flower gardens. There's so much ugliness in the world right now that we feel people could truly use some beauty to lift their spirits. I think they would prefer food to fill their bellies. We find symbolic gestures are more meaningful. After all, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he'll stop buying the fish your father's company sells.
3: How exactly does a flower garden help the less fortunate?
7: Why, they're the ones who tend the gardens.
6: Oh, so you employ them and pay them a good wage, thus helping them stimulate the economy through increased purchasing power.
7: Well, we certainly would, but after supply costs, administrative salaries, and various other vague and non-specific expenses, there's simply no money. We've tried raising more through donations, but you'd be appalled at how many people just don't care about the less fortunate.
2: Unlike you, Miss
7: Featherton Smythe. Please, call me Karen. And of course I care. Those of us with more have an obligation to help those less fortunate. Nosebleed oblique. Noblesse oblige. As I said. It would be wrong for us not to share our knowledge of succeeding through hard work and determination with those not fortunate enough to have been born with that work ethic.
3: So that's what they get from you? A work ethic?
7: A sense of purpose. So that they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and contribute to society for once in their sad, pathetic lives.
6: Thank goodness for people like you. Yay, sir. Without a you,
0: how would all of the poor people who literally built this city learn about how to work hard?
7: That's the first thing you said that makes sense. Thank you. But someone is trying to undermine our good works. I came by today to oversee some labor. Instead of do any labor? Someone has to manage. Yet when I arrived, I found the garden infested with these slugs. They'll destroy the flowers. And we were just about to present the results of all our hard work to the city. We'll be humiliated.
0: Humiliated? It's a shame!
7: It certainly is. Now I'll have to cancel the caterer. How could someone do this to me?
4: You mean those poor, overworked, exploited workers who did all work and who actually deserve all credit?
7: What are you, a communist? is never effect.
3: Wait a minute. Chief, you're saying shame's behind this? Of
0: course. Who else would try to embarrass someone trying to help the less fortunate?
6: Allegedly. Getting your hands on this many slugs isn't easy. You got it all right.
0: They's very slippery.
6: Um. Yes, but what I meant was whoever did this had to buy them in bulk somewhere.
3: You're right, Winchell. Time for some good old-fashioned investigative journalism. Right. Let's go shopping! That boy has a lot to learn.
2: And we wanted to tell you, Chief, that we may know who's behind all this. Andrew Cudahy, a British
0: expat. Ah, so he's a name used to be Patrick. You nor know, can I trust the people who change their names. I will look into it.
7: After you deal with my slugs. I'm sorry, did you say Andrew Cudahy? The sausage magnate? You know him? Of course. He donates to all the same charities I do. Such a wonderful man. He truly feels, as I do myself, the plight of the working man. He does? You do? Yes, and because of that he, as I do myself, works tirelessly to lift up the working man and put him on a footing slightly less than equal to those of us born with skill and ability. How oh, noble. I can't tell you how tiring it is fighting for equality. If you knew how many parties, functions and auctions I had to attend.
0: Your sacrifices truly are inspiring.
7: Thank you but I struggle through because I know how it would make those poor people's hearts sore to know how much money we spent on their behalf.
4: Did you ever think of just giving them the money instead of throwing parties? I don't understand the question. O Stoglovnovia, Pivyanka.
7: Without the functions and parties, how would anyone know how much we're doing for the common man? Andrew's a perfect example. Without him plastering his name all over every good deed he does, do you really think they would have named an entire town in Wisconsin after him?
0: There is a town in Wisconsin called Andrew?
2: No, Cudahy. That's it. It must be their headquarters. Come, Natasha. We're headed for Wisconsin.
4: For some reason, that sentence makes me very uneasy.
0: Well, I guess I call an exterminator for uh, the slugs. Uh...
7: <gasps> what? These are helpless creatures. What kind of monster are you? You will call folks rescuing animals from unpleasant destinies. You mean a frog? Folks rescuing animals from unpleasant destinies consider all animal life precious, and their highly trained staff of people who enjoy lecturing others on just how badly they treat animals will make sure that these wonderful members of nature's family find homes that are in no way inconvenient to people like me. They have adequate facilities to house any of the animals they find, rescue, or liberate. Why do you mean liberate? no animal-loving organization is more public about their efforts than folks rescuing animals from unpleasant destinies. They make sure everything they do is incredibly well-publicized, regardless of whether it's effective.
0: All right, I'll call them to uh, rescue the slugs. I must admit, I'm glad to hear you have uh, such a concern for these lowly animals.
7: Of course. Anyone with a heart, compassion, and education from an overpriced institution knows that all life forms matter.
0: So you'll be doing everything you can to make sure your workers are paid?
7: Help! I'm being threatened!
0: Non accor non lo sé.
1: 2 Scene 3. The Road to Cymru. Theo and Wednesday head out on the town. Wherever that might be. In the aforementioned bustling burg of Cuttahae, Wisconsin, Theodore Rockwell and Wednesday morning were preparing for a night out on the town.
0: Wednesday? Are you ready for a night out on the town?
5: I'm not going.
0: What? Why not?
5: you why not not only is my room's decor sausage themed uh,
0: yes well i discovered the town was built around the cutahay sausage plant run by andrew Cuttahey, a british expat oh
5: so his name used to be patrick then wednesday do you see i'm so upset i don't even know what i'm saying
0: but why you're not the type of woman to be put off by sausage
5: i went down to look at the indoor pool how was it It was a waiting pool. In a conference room.
0: Was it heated?
5: That's not the point. I want to go home.
0: Look, Wednesday, I know it's not perfect, but Edna and Cyril just opened up. They're doing their best. And I did some research, and I am taking you to dinner at Cudahy's only five-star restaurant.
5: This place has a five-star restaurant?
0: The locals swear by it. And Edna tells me it's within walking distance.
5: Well... I am hungry. Five stars, you say?
0: I've heard nothing but good things. So what do you say, Miss Morning? Up for a little adventure?
5: All right, Mr. Rockwell. Let's go.
1: So Theo and Wednesday set off.
5: Half an hour later... Where is this place? This is walking distance?
0: Apparently, Edna takes really long walks. I'm sure it can't be much farther.
1: Oh, but it could. And it was. Finally, after a full hour of walking...
5: This is why nobody likes people from Iowa. Theo and Wednesday
1: stumbled through the door of Cudahay's only five-star restaurant, Tyre Selsig.
6: Finally! Hello there folks. Welcome to Tire Salesig. I'm Hank. How many people in your party?
5: <sighs> just, just to Why are you so far away from everything?
6: Well, that's by a decree of the Health and Safety Board. It has to do with the fumes. Fumes? The from the kitchen, we used to be a lot closer to town, but people were getting lightheaded and weren't able to operate heavy machinery, anything the chef was cooking. What was your chef making? To be honest, we don't know exactly. You see, he's Welsh, so he tried to tell us, but none of his words had any vowels in them, so. But trust me, the food's really great, whatever it is. Let me show you to your table.
5: Um, Hank, why is the floor sticky?
6: Oh, we're really proud of that feature right there. You see, us being, as you pointed out, so far away from anything resembling civilization means we get more than our fair share of fists. Your floors are sticky because of bugs? Oh, no. The fumes take care of the bugs, no problem.
5: How reassuring.
6: No, the floor is for the best of the larger four-legged variety. It's anti-cruelty, you know? What? Well, used to be that if some critter came in here, we just shoot it. Or perhaps outside to catch it. But then this lady was eating here one night and got real upset about how we dealt with the critters. Said we what we were doing was cruel, and her organization had a better way of dealing with the animals. So they came in and did the floors for us. What does it do? Well, it won't stick to clothing, but the minute skin or fur touches it, it sticks fast. so the minute an animal walks into it, it can't move.
5: And then you release it somehow.
6: Nah, we thought that's what we should do, but the lady said we should just leave it there until nature takes its course. Then, we dispose of them afterwards. Personally, I thought just shooting them was faster, but she insisted this was the kinder, more natural way.
5: Who was this woman?
6: She was from some organization called Folks Rescuing Animals from Unpleasant Destinies. Real strange lady. Wouldn't order nothing but a salad until we told her all our meat was humanely slaughtered. Then she shoveled it down like a house fire. Don't know why she cares so much. Though our butcher humanely does have quite the reputation.
5: Theo, I must be really hungry.
6: Why do you say that?
5: Because none of what he's saying makes me want to leave.
6: Here we go. Best table in the house. This appears to be the only table in the house. Well, to be honest, business hasn't been so good since the move.
5: I thought this was a five-star restaurant.
6: Oh, it is. That's the exact number of stars you can see through the hole in the roof. I'll get you your menus.
5: Well, here's another fine mess you've gotten us into, Theo. Theo?
0: Come on, Wednesday. I know this isn't what we expected, but it could be worse.
5: How, Theo? How could it be worse?
0: There could be a coyote stuck to the floor right in front of us, letting nature take its course.
5: All right. That would be worse. But it's not exactly helping your case.
0: Wednesday, we're on vacation. We have no responsibilities, nothing to demand our attention. All this will just be fodder for an amusing anecdote. Nothing bad is happening.
5: Happening. That sounds like something bad happening. What was that sound?
0: Maybe Hank succumbed to the fumes.
1: What exactly is the cook making back
0: there?
1: <laughs> Answers to, well, everything but that last question, will be revealed in next week's scalp-tingling conclusion to Throwing Shade. Here's a sneak listen. Come on! This has been Throwing Shade. Sponsored by Folks Rescuing Animals from Unpleasant Destinies. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's Premier Storefront Theater, Eclectic Full Contact Theater. Reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www. Patreon.com slash E-F-C-T and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month. So support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster, Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. There's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel and Serena Johnston, Noelle Kleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, Monica Safflick, and Julian Serna. Our Foley artist is Lori Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Houle. And I'm your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina, Tina Salamone. Shalaman. Tune in next week. Same chain Time! Same, same shape Station!
0: Hello everyone, this is Andrew Pond.
5: And I'm Jessica Lauren Fisher.
0: You might remember us from such podcasts as, well, this one.
5: We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our followers on Patreon, including Karen Osterman and Cassie Russell.
0: Mike Drugan, Lori Eyer,
5: And our newest member, Natividad Salgado.
0: It's thanks to your support that the shade keeps running.
5: And falling into manholes. Why, do you? But if you're scared of commitment, like some people I could mention... I
0: have no idea what you're talking about.
5: You can make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com EFCT.
0: Which would be appreciated. Podcasting is a cold, lonely business.
5: You have central heating and a Snuggie.
0: You promise never to speak of the Snuggie.
5: Anyway, thank you again for all your support. Say goodnight, Andrew.
0: Goodnight, Andrew. Oh, boy.